Over the past few years, the perception of police officers and their work has often turned sour among many people, though others argue it's been an unfair attack on these men and women. Now, while every profession is going to have its bad eggs, some have scrutinized how these individuals are trained to handle the chaos of the job and if the officers on the street are actually the best ones for this position. I'm proud, but I'm humbly proud to say that we haven't lost an officer in the line of duty since 1996. I think that's a credit to the men and women of this department that they work together, they're trying to keep the community safe, they're trying to keep each other safe. I think the academy provides very quality training to its members and continues to do so. Thanks for joining us today on LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma. On this episode of Management Decisions, we take a look at what is involved in the training of men and women to become police officers, including some of the requirements and tactics that might be involved. To do so, we're speaking with Lieutenant Jim McGillis. He's the Milwaukee Police Department's Academy Program Manager and a veteran of the force. Lieutenant McGillis, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Before we get into kind of some of the details as far as the training goes for police officers, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think stands out about the Milwaukee training and police force in general compared to others around the country. Well, I think our training is innovative, cutting edge. I think we provide not just the knowledge that officers need to have out on the street. We also teach them reality-based scenario types of training where we prepare them for the real world, what they're going to see out there on the street, not just from a tactical standpoint. Mm -hmm. We'll train our officers about interpersonal interactions, how to relate to the public on a number of different levels. That's what I think separates us from other police academies. Sure. Well, since you went there right away, why don't I ask about that? As far as some of those real-life scenarios, uh, I guess, what do you try to train for specifically? Are there certain situations that you tend to focus on? Can you give us a little insight into those? Well, a lot of times people consider what law enforcement trains on as a tactical component, which, of course, we do train. Right. Tactics include from just being there to how we talk to people to even, of course, putting hands on people or having to use force if we need to. The other component we're teaching is the interpersonal side of things, how we mm-hmm. connect with the public uh, relationally, understanding that people come from different backgrounds, different situations. We're going into their lives and sometimes some of the worst situations. Now, a couple of weeks back, I actually went through a tour of the academy and some of the things that uh, you guys are doing there. And there were specific scenarios that you actually went through as well. I think there was a I think it was apprehending somebody who was in a vehicle. You had setups as far as like an apartment setup and a bar scene. Uh, are any of those, are those difficult to train for? Do those really prep people for those situations? I mean, how does that all kind of work together? Well, when we do scenarios, we don't do them haphazardly. They're carefully scripted towards learning objectives, what we're trying to accomplish with the student. Do you think best adult learning principles versus kind of the traditional military style where people perceive academies as being, be, being very militant or military style mm-hmm. promote, again, best adult learning practices where we try and have the student see their role in the situation, use conflict resolution strategies, problem-solving strategies to bring a positive outcome to the situation. And even if the positive outcome involves taking somebody to jail or advising the complaint, we're trying to have the student in training see those situations here in preparation for what they're going to see out in the real world. Right. Now, for those that do attend the academy, what are some of the reasons they often give for wanting to become a police officer? It's a very rewarding career, not just the paycheck you take home or the benefits that come along with it. It's very internally rewarding. You know that you're actually making your community safe. You're actually interacting with the public. A lot of times people come into the academy 
with a larger-than-life view of what the role of a law enforcement officer is. And it's very encouraging to see people come through the door with that viewpoint. And over time, you know, the real world sets in, but it's always good to see even officers with 10, 15 years on the department knowing that they're still going out there making a difference. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to see. And how much of the people that come in there, is it done by recruiting as far as you guys going out and finding people? Is most of it people volunteering or just having an interest? What's sort of the breakdown when it comes to that? That's not really my area of uh, expertise, not really purview. That's mostly the Fire and Police Commission. We do have a separate recruiting component of the police department that goes out at job fairs. They go to to high schools to let them know we actually have a police uh, aid program which is a stepping stone career move into becoming a, an eventual police officer, possibly, provided they meet the prerequisites. There's also social media that's also used in recruiting to spread the word about what this career can and cannot do. Okay. And then when it comes to the actual training, you kind of mentioned it there, um, but what are some of the physical requirements that people might have to meet really at the beginning of the training as well as in order to graduate from it? Well, there's an entrance requirement being able to run a mile and a half there are push-ups, sit-ups, there's a vertical jump. There's a, a bunch of new standards that are coming out that were developed and pretty much told to all academies in the state. Uh, January 1st, those standards actually start of 2016. Mm-hmm. We're already starting with those standards to be in compliance with what the law says or what the administrative code says. That includes a mile-and-a-half run, push-ups, sit-ups, a vertical jump. Uh, there's a couple other different physical competencies that have to be met. Then there's also exit exit level uh, achievements that have to be made. Okay. You have to show improvement and there are certain benchmarks that have to be met. And this is a question that, you know, people have brought up to me before and I'm curious, but as far as men and women go, are those requirements the same? Are they adjusted in some way? How does that all work? I believe they are the same. I don't think they're adjusted gender-wise, but that I'm not sure about. I can't tell you that law enforcement does have physicality to it, but Mm -hmm. it's also the mental capacity that goes along with it. Right. And I I was curious about that as well in terms of uh, whether it's the academic side of things or, as you mentioned, maybe the mental side, the psychological side. What kind of training goes into that? What kind of, I guess, how do you prepare really individuals for that kind of uh, work that goes into it? There's certain ways that we teach. There's knowledge-based levels of instruction where we provide the material. Then there's the psychomotor skill development, where we actually have our students doing hands-on and then the application of what they learn in the classroom versus the physical skills. Mm-hmm. We're hitting certain parts, of they call it the effective domain, where you're, you talk about, for instance, uh, using deadly force or using physical force. That affects people. You know, right. That affects our, in our profession. Uh, we have to prepare them that, yeah, you may get in a, into a fight for your life, or you may have to run after somebody or pursue somebody with a firearm or go rescue somebody in a life or death situation. So we put those components together, but it's obviously progressive. It progresses along the way with adult learning principles. That's how we prepare them for the street. And along those same lines, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, I guess with this type of training, going into police work, obviously, what would you want listeners to know in terms of how officers are trained when it comes to the use of force, the use of firearms? Because obviously you see things in the news fairly or unfairly in some cases, What would you want people to know that maybe they have a misconception of? Officers are trained to use force as out of of necessity, not out of a want. It it just comes with the job. Mm -hmm. Also taught that it's a last resort. We use force judiciously. We train our officers to use it appropriately, understanding that 
how the public perceives force isn't necessarily how it's actually being administered. Using deadly force is something that's never minimized, that it's the last resort, that taking of a human life, we hold human life, the sanctity of human life, first and foremost. And we never minimize that in training. It's always at the forefront of how we do it. Of course, we teach our officers how to use force and use mm -hmm. the different skills, abilities, the different tools they have available, including how they talk to people, how they interact with them in a professional setting, also including maybe even having to deploy deadly force. With that in mind, are there certain aspects that you, you see as being the most difficult to train people for, whether it be the physical side, the mental side, uh, specific scenarios? Do you find one area that seems to be a struggle the most for people? One thing to remember, when we have recruits, we're taking John and Jane Citizen, we're taking them from the job that they know or the job that they've done, and we have to transition them to how to act like a police officer, how to think like a police officer, how to solve crimes how to actually fulfill the role. So when they come out of the academy, they have those tools available to them to go out and do the job at a safety level and a baseline level. Being in law enforcement now for 20 years, it's a learning person's profession. Every day you learn something new about people. You learn something new about tactics, about how to approach, how not to approach. Mm -hmm. So I would say this is a, definitely a learning profession. You learn a lot along the way, and every day is a learning day. Now, as you kind of alluded to there, you do have people coming into the academy that they've had other jobs. They're not just fresh out of college in all these cases or fresh out of high school. Are there differences that you notice in people that are coming into the academy, you know, five years into a profession versus coming in fresh? Yes and no. Uh, I've seen police aides that come out of our aid program and do wonderfully in the academy and end up being wonderful police officers. Mm -hmm. I also see people with 15, 20 years after high school, they come on the department with a lot of life experience that you'd expect to do well that don't. It, it depends <laughs> on the person. Sure. But I have found with that people that come on to the department are citizens that come on with a, a few years under their belt of life experience after college, end up, they usually have some form of formal education. They have another career. They've progressed somewhere in another uh, profession or career. They decide to try law enforcement. And those are the ones that in my opinion, do very, very well. And then how long does it take from start to finish if you're looking at somebody progressing through the program and becoming a police officer? Well, from the time of hire, the day they're sworn in, they're recruits. They're not fully fledged police officers yet. It's approximately six months of actual academy training. That includes okay. the classroom, that's the, the tactical skills development, the social interaction skills, scenarios, visits in the community. So the academy itself is approximately six months. After that, recruits are placed on probationary status and actually work out with a field training officer in a mentorship style of training. Where they're partnered up for six weeks with a initial field training officer, then they do their second six weeks with a different field training officer, sometimes even at a different work location, to give the officers a feel of the diversity of our city, mm -hmm. who experience different training methodologies, different styles, different ways of talking to people different areas of expertise is also another great component of mixing up their field training officers. Then they finish out the probationary period and then they're done at least with that formal part of recruit training. Sure. However, officers also come back multiple times throughout the year for in-service training. Continuing education would be another way to call it. Is there any 
true way to to really be able to tell if someone is is ready for the rigors of the police work? I mean, you've mentioned a few times, obviously, there's the physicality, there's the mental side of it. Uh, I mean, have you ever questioned whether or not someone's ready or, or had doubts or people dropping out because they felt, you know, I just, I can't cut it in this? I can tell you that we've had recruits in the academy come into the office and submit their resignation. They realize that as wonderful this career is, the career isn't for them. And we shake their hands and tell them, thank you for giving this a shot. But law enforcement isn't for everyone. It is a profession. It takes the right people. We want to have professionals in this career, people that have it, the right mindset for this job. It's not about power. It's not about authority. It's about service, it's about serving our community. And happens in the academy. Also, during the field training process, our job is to help our students succeed. We're not here to vet anyone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they vet themselves. They don't meet certain benchmarks. They don't meet certain competencies. They can't perform the actual job either in the academy or when they're out on field training. And we do have checks and balances. We do have supervision. We have oversight all along the way to help them succeed. But sometimes they just, they, they don't cut it. They can't cut it. Now, what would you say, obviously, you've been involved for a while. What would you say you're most proud of when it comes to the officers you train, the academy itself? Uh, what would you point to as being sort of your proudest thoughts or moments from being at the academy? It's a tough one. <laughs> I'm proud, but I'm humbly proud to say that we haven't lost an officer in the line of duty since 1996. I think that's a credit to the men and women of this department that they work together. They're trying to keep the community safe. They're trying to keep each other safe. I think the academy provides very quality training to its members and continues to do so. I've been proud to be a part of that that training mission for a number of years, as have another a, a number of other people on the department. But I say that humbly. I know that sometimes that's not left in our hands about how our uh, officers survive on the street. We can only give them the best tools available to make our city safe, to make themselves safe. The rest is out of our hands. And I appreciate you mentioning that. That actually was something that stood out to me when uh, my family and I went on the tour was that um, just the safety of the officers that have, have been there for so long. And I appreciate you bringing that up on here as well. We are getting up against the clock here, but I wanted to give you the floor sort of at the end. If you wanted to give the people listening any sort of last breakdown of what you could expect as a police officer going into the academy, maybe a final pitch, if you will, for those that might be interested, uh, what would you want to leave us with today? Well, there's a lot of things being said in the national narrative right now. Being a law enforcement officer, it is a very tough profession. Officers are very proud of what they do. They're proud of their service to the community that they work in. For members of our community, go up to a cop and tell them thank you. It's a thankless job. We don't do it for the pay, for the benefits. I mean, that's part of it. But we, we're proud to be police officers in the city and proud to serve our community. So that's kind of the parting thought I'd like to leave with our uh, our citizens. I think that's a good place for us to leave off. And I would just like to throw in if uh, you ever get the chance to, to take a tour or understand even more in detail what is done over at the Academy, I do uh, I do encourage people to do that because it was definitely an eye opener for myself and my family as well. Lieutenant McGillis, thank you very much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And thanks for what you do too. And that will do it for us on this edition of Management Decisions. Once again, we are speaking with Lieutenant Jim McGillis. He's a Milwaukee Police Department Academy Program Manager, and he was giving us some insight into what goes on at the Milwaukee Police Academy and how all those men and women are trained to help serve us in the community. If you have any feedback about this show or any of our episodes, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN, and you can check out all of our shows on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Thanks once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.